Welcome to History Class After Hours. I'm Joseph Barra, and joining me is Brian. Again, Woo. I'm back. So, today we are going to talk about a riot. A riot? Yes, another Christmas riot. Very riotous on yes. this podcast. Because we have talked about riots before. Yes, we For Christmas riots. I, have we talked about Christmas riots? We have. We talked about riots. The, the, the Cabbage Patch riots of 1980-something. I think that was before my that was time. before your time yeah. but go back and listen to it it's where people were getting in full-out brawls over oh, for the dolls for the dolls oh, yep. okay mm-hmm. yeah i heard about that this this one is going to be called the eggnog riot mm-hmm. yes sometimes known as the grog mutiny um it's going to be a riot that takes place at the united states military academy at west point of course it does on december 24th 25th of 1826 speaking of west point did you watch the Army Navy game? Go Army! No. Is that what you're supposed to yell? Go Navy. Well, they, Navy lost, the so. Army, yeah, they lost. Again. It's, yeah. Uh, fourth year in a row. That's not what this started over, though. Okay. Because football wasn't invented yet. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, this riot eventually evolved more than one-third of the cadets by the time it ceased on Christmas morning. A subsequent investigation by academy officials resulted in the implication of 70 cadets and the court-martialing of 20 of them, along with one enlisted guy. I wonder what he was doing there. Um, among the participants in the riot uh, that were not court-martialed would be future Confederate State President Jefferson Davis. Oh, wow. A large number of small dairy farms in America in the early 19th century made milk, cream, and eggnog more accessible to the American public. George Washington drank eggnog that contained not only rum, but also significant amounts of sherry, brandy, and whiskey. So he's just drinking... Pure alcohol at that point. (laughs) Jeez. Pure alcohol with a tiny bit of eggnog. (laughs) Go get it, George. Um, In 1817, Sylvanus Thayer took command at the United States Military Academy. By 1826, the academy had 36 men serving as faculty and staff with four recognized departments, mathematics, engineering, natural philosophy, which is now physics, chemistry, and life sciences, and military tactics. Um, When West Point originated, it was originally intended to be an engineering school. Still today, it's considered an engineering school. Okay. Yes. That's why a lot of guys that graduate from West Point end up being engineers of some sort. All right. Uh, Alcohol possession at the academy was prohibited, along with drunkenness and intoxication, both of which could lead to expulsion. Uh, Tobacco use and gambling could lead to demerits, minor um, incarceration, or a loss of privileges. By 1826, concern had uh, been raised that drinking was starting to get out of hand among the 260 cadets at the academy. Uh, The cadets were informed that due to the alcohol prohibition on the site, their Christmas eggnog would be alcohol-free. Ooh. Prompting the decision to smuggle liquor into the academy. So what we are going to be going over is the specifics of all this. It's going to be a timeline of the events. Because this was all, because of, there was 20 guys court-martialed, meaning there was a court case against them. There's, there's evidence here. So we are presenting the evidence. All right. All right. So we are starting on December 26, 1826. Okay. 
can I call you your honor if we're gonna <laughs> No, thank you. Okay. All right. And this is military time. So this is oh geez, I'm trying to do it around eight fifty to about ten fifteen at night. All right. Around December twenty second. At Martin's Tavern, Cadets William R. Burnley from Alabama, Alexander J. Center from New York, and Samuel Alexander Roberts from Alabama almost got into a fight when proprietors of another tavern concerning getting whiskey back to West Point. Uh, Private James Dugan, the duty security guard, agreed to let the three cadets take a boat across the Hudson to smuggle in the whiskey. The cadets planned to purchase a half gallon of whiskey as an alcohol base for the eggnog party that would take place in the North Barracks two nights later. Philip St. George from Virginia was the 24-hour duty cadet guard of the day. Burnley Center and Robert successfully obtained two gallons of whiskey, smuggling them into the North Barracks room number 33. Cadet T.M. Lewis from Kentucky also returned with another gallon of rum from Benny's Tavern to North Barracks room number five. So they got a lot of alcohol. They have gotten some alcohol with them, yep. So now moving to December 23rd. At 7 a.m., U.S. Military Academy Commandant William Worth um, Thayer met with George Bomford from New York and one Robert E. Lee from Virginia. Uh, Bomford was questioned about his parental correspondence by Thayer while Lee questioned Thayer about trigonometry problems for artillery gunnery. Classes and barrack inspections continued as usual that day. So it's just status quo. All right. Yes. Uh, Lee was a teacher at this point. Uh, at, oh, geez, trying to do math again. 545. A Christmas party took place at Thayer's residence at which wine was served. That wasn't considered hard, hard, uh, hard alcohol. That was doable. Okay. Um, Reverend Charles McIlvain, the academy chaplain, was among the attendees. During the party, a conversation ensued between Thayer and Major William J. Worth, the Commandant of Cadets, about Jefferson Davis's disciplinary problems. Entertainment was provided by the West Point Band. The party ended at 9.30. Not a very long party. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't expect it to be that long, it's, you know, a military academy. So. Meanwhile, while that party is going on at 6 o'clock, four cadets, Walter B. Guyon, Jefferson Davis, John Stocker, and David Farrelly, met at Benny Heaven's, Haven's Tavern. Most of the discussion was about everyday life among the cadets. They left before Academy Quartermaster Anus McKay arrived. Meanwhile, at the North Barracks, cadets were planning the party. Preparations included stealing bits and pieces of food during their visits to the mess hall. During this time, cadets residing in the South Barracks found out about the North Barracks planned Christmas party. Ooh, Ooh. maybe they weren't invited. Who knows? All right. So now we are moving to December 24th and 25th. So at. Oh, geez. 10 at 10 p.m. on the 24th moving until 4.15 in the morning on the 25th. Portrait of Ethan Allen Hitchcock between 1851 and 1860. Hitchcock served as a faculty member at the West Point at the time of the eggnog riot. Nathaniel Eaton was the cadet in charge of the external post of the North Barracks. Captain Ethan Allen Hitchcock, a faculty member in military tactics, was also stationed in North Barracks. Eaton and Hitchcock met and discussed the smuggled liquor in the North Barracks. The eggnog party started among nine cadets in the North Barracks room number 28. 
numerous cadets appeared at the part as the party progressed. While another party began in room number five, mentioned by seven cadets, including Davis. Fairley went again to North or Havens and returned with another gallon of whiskey early on Christmas morning. Cadet Charles Whipple, the division superintendent during the first part of the incident, went to the North Barracks room five at two in the morning after hearing a commotion. Interrupting a round of singing among eight cadets, including Jefferson Davis, Whipple returned to his room after a verbal exchange with Jefferson Davis and other cadets. Hitchcock made another patrol around the barracks at three in the morning. Lieutenant William A. Thornton was asleep while the events unfolded. By four o'clock, voices from the floor above Hitchcock were loud enough to cause the faculty member to investigate room number 28, where Hitchcock knocked on the door and found six cadets drunk from their eggnog, as well as two others sleeping on a bed. Hitchcock ordered two of the cadets back to the rooms. After they left, Hitchcock woke the two sleeping cadets, ordered them to leave as well. Then he confronted James uh, Berrien, who responded with equal force. Hitchcock gave a stern lecture to the residents of the room for possessing alcohol on the premises. The captain left the room at 4.15 in the morning. Berrien began verbalizing his rage towards Hitchcock, which led William D.C. Murdoch to lead an effort to organize a riot against Hitchcock. Wait, so even after he talked to all the cadets, like, did they still have their alcohol? They did, and now they're drunk and angry. So, like, why didn't he take it? Like, good, good question. That's what the... I don't know. Great question, though. Yeah. So, Jefferson Davis um, was among the 70 cadets who will take part in the eggnog riot. So Hitchcock went down to his room to sleep. Three times he heard knocks on the door, only to find no one there. Ooh, they're showing him. Another ghost. <laughs> After finding another cadet drunk, Hitchcock saw Davis Davis's head over Davis head over to room number five, where thirteen cadets were still partying. Davis, seeing Hitchcock's arrival, warned the other cadets. The captain entered the room, ordering one of the cadets to open up another cadet's footlocker, but the cadet refused. Hitchcock ordered no more disorder, left the room, and started looking for Thornton around 4.50 in the morning. Meanwhile, Thornton had strolled the North Barracks between... I need to do math again. I think it's 9 9 p.m. and 2 a.m. on Christmas Day, observing the ongoing partying before going to sleep at 2. He was awakened by loud yells and once out of his room was attacked by two cadets. Thornton then put cadet William Fitzgerald under arrest for brandishing a weapon. Hmm. Fitzgerald retreated from Thornton, then two, told two cadets in room 29 about the arrest. At this point, noises erupted from the South Barracks, which distracted Thornton. While going to investigate the commotion, Thornton was knocked out by Roberts, who had been ejected from room number 28 by Hitchcock earlier that evening. Davis was now asleep, but other cadets went looking for Hitchcock. Three other cadets were discovered by cadet James Overton, a relief sentinel, and not involved in the parties and questioned about their actions. They gave a drunken explanation about needing drums and a fife. Yeah, they want to put on a show, I guess. Um, At around 5 a.m., Hitchcock found another drunk cadet wandering around the academy. By this point, several window panes had been broken. Hitchcock returned returned to the room where he was staying, uh, number eight. Several cadets then attacked his door. Uh, one guy drew a pistol and fired a shot into the room. Oh, man. 
Hitchcock opened the door and yelled at the cadets to stop. The captain then began arresting them. Hitchcock ordered Eaton to find Worth's headquarters. Overton asked Hitchcock to find Thayer, and Hitchcock replied, No, Mr. Overton, uh, fetch the commandant. Several of the drunken cadets thought Hitchcock had stated that uh, bombardiers would be the ones to quell the riot, using heavy weapons, causing several cadets who were not drunk to take up arms in defense of the North Barracks. (laughs) Things are getting out of hand quickly. Uh, Thayer had been awoken at 5 a.m. by the sound of drums. He ordered his aide, Patrick Murphy, to get Major Worth because of what he could hear going on in the North Barracks. Hitchcock, Hitchcock continued, restoring order in North Barracks, getting into a fight with Cadet Walter Otte. Thornton awoke from the stairway where he had been knocked out and returned to his room. What is going on with Hitchcock? He's just He just keeps on like... He just keeps yelling, no, and then going back to, <laughs> to his room. room. And then he gets knocked out, yeah. and then he just goes back to his room. He needs to like, actually do something. Uh-huh. Uh, Hitchcock greeted him in his room at 5.45. By 6 a.m., other cadets were not, who were not drinking were also involved in restoring order. The main, main rioters were attempting to recruit other cadets, though, but with no success. Overton could not find Cadet Eaton, who was checking the South Barracks, but did find Major Worth. Hitchcock met Worth and told him what had happened. By this time, Thayer's aide had arrived in the North Barracks guardroom. The second artillery had also arrived. Oh, no. They're bringing in the artillery. All it right. sounds like something like, <laughs> like straight out of Cash 22. <coughs> like, if you've, read, if you've read that book, like, they sound something that would happen in a oh, like, It's chaos. Yeah. So, Reveille starts at 6.05 in the morning, along with gunfire, the sound of glass breaking, profanity by cadets, cries of pain, and threats to academy officials. North Barrack residents who were not drunk from the eggnog, were appalled by the damaged property. Cadets in the South Barracks were well-rested, while other cadets in the North Barracks were very disheveled. Some of the cadets remained in their rooms drinking, although some appeared in parade formation being quite drunk. Worth met with the superintendent uh, Thayer after the first formation to discuss what happened in the North Barracks the previous evening. Thayer instructed Worth to get the officers into the North Barracks and restore order. I, I feel like there is some uh, lack of communication going on here. Yeah. Um, Captain McKay, the Academy Quartermaster, took down details of the damages to the property at North Barracks so repairs could take place in the following days. Many cadets who were drunk made it to company roll call at 620, um, though they were subdued. The mutiny officially ended when Cadet Captain James Bradford called the, the Corps to attention and dismissed them from the mess hall after breakfast. Chapel formation took place after breakfast, followed by two hours of service, with most of the drunk cadets still recovering. Thayer was advised by Worth regarding the events at North Barracks. Captain Hitchcock and Lieutenant Thornton were bruised, while several cadets suffered minor injuries, and Fitzgerald suffered a hand injury. Worth Worth told Thayer that between 50 and 90 cadets had been involved in the mutiny. Later that day, Thayer met with Governor Kimball, an ordnance manufacturer in Cold Spring, New York, discussed different items, including the events at West Point. Kimball then asked Thayer what he would do about the misconduct. Thayer said he did not know. So on December 26, a faculty and staff meeting took place with all but Captain Thomas C. Legate of the 2nd Artillery um, and a few assistant professors in attendance. 
Thayer informed them that Major General Alexander McComb, Chief of Engineers and Inspector General of the Academy, had been told of the riot and that he was waiting orders from McComb. Uh, Superintendent also informed the attendees that an inquiry would take place during semester finals in January of 1827, so some of the cadets would face simultaneous examinations and inquiry. Well, that sounds fair. <laughs> Study for finals and prepare to defend yourself. Yep. Cadet Battalion Order 98 was read at formation and posted at several prominent locations at the academy. 22 cadets were placed under house arrest until further notice. Among them was Jefferson Davis, who had been reported as a malefactor by Hitchcock and Thornton. So now, on January 6th, Thayer reviewed Order 49, dated December 30th, 1826, and signed by Chief of Engineers McComb, ordering a court of inquiry to be assembled as soon as possible to investigate the Christmas riots. No deadline was given by the War Department, though the Academy was expected to get it done as soon as possible. Major Worth was president of the inquiry with Lieutenant Henry H. Gerd acting as secretary, and two other faculty and staff to be selected there for court duties. Um, if the inquiry determined that further disciplinary action was necessary, Thayer was empowered to court-martial any cadet or other military personnel. Worth elected Hitchcock and Lieutenant William Bryant to the court, despite Hitchcock's involvement in controlling the riots in the North Barracks. When Won't... you say involvement, <laughs> do you mean just going back to your room repeatedly? Yes. He was the one that got knocked out too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, he won't be biased. Probably. No, no. On January 7th, in the midst of the academy exams, Gerd informed the cadets of the court of inquiry, which was to begin the next day. So the inquiry included testimony from 167 witnesses. McKay stated that $168 of damages had occurred. That was worth about $4,500 in today's money. Uh, Thayer testified that he never ordered the bombardiers, the second artillery, to police the barracks. The academic board recommended James Hamilton be discharged for bad conduct and five others, all fourth classmen, which were basically freshmen, were dismissed for lack of aptitude in certain academic disciplines or bad conduct. So they must have failed their finals. And then this was just kind of like, yeah, bye. Uh, Several other cadets also were dismissed. A final report was presented to Thayer on January 19th, 1827, which Thayer and Worth met to discuss uh, after dinner that evening. Following the testimony, the inquiry determined that 70 cadets had been involved in the riots. Thayer picked the worst offenders, those who smuggled the whiskey, the cadets who incited the riots, and several others for prosecution for court-martial. Um, and 1819, Attorney General of the United States William Wirt had opinion that the Corps formed part of the land forces of the United States and its members there thus subject to military laws and trials by court-martial. Wirt's opinion was supported by the U.S. Secretary of War John C. Calhoun and uh, President James Monroe. 19th century American military justice was founded in the American Revolution the sentences were reviewed by the Secretary of War, the United States Congress, and the President. A general court consisted of between five and 13 officers serving as jurors and magistrates. The accused was his own lawyer, prepared his own defense, and could plead guilty to one or more charges against him while contesting other charges. Trials were held from 8 in the morning to 3 p.m. daily um, or during daylight hours. 
A standard trial began with the charges being read, defendant giving his plea, and opening statements by the prosecution and defense attorneys. Witness testimony then began, followed by closing uh, statements given by the prosecution and defense attorneys, and a jury's decision. The verdict was guilty. The defendant was then sentenced. So uh, basically just how a normal court case. Yeah, pretty much just like a normal court case. Uh, 20 cases were divided into three parts by the War Department for administrative convenience. Court-martial trials were held in secession without break from January 26. Um, during the progression of the trials, Davis was released from house arrest along with other cadets. Cadet Humphreys was arrested on January 27th. Gerd stayed as trial judge advocate until March 8th um, when he was asked to be released. The case is going to be closed on May 3rd. Oh, so it takes like... It takes a little while. Yeah. And like we said, several guys are going to get court-martialed and kicked out of the academy. Others are going to lose rank and pay. That's the eggnog riot. Imagine if Jefferson Davis would have been kicked out of West Point. Would that have changed American history at all? Probably. Maybe. I mean... Well, I mean, I think all, like, the stuff, I think there would still be a civil war. It would just be different. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. That's the eggnog riot. Yeah. Life lesson. Don't try to sneak in alcohol to West Point. Correct. And then get really drunk and just start punching people. You'll get expelled. You will get expelled. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to History Class After Hours, the show where we talk about the things your history teachers didn't have time to teach you. If you wanted to stay updated on upcoming events for the History Club, please visit www.starsmillhistoryc.wixsite.com forward slash 2020. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel on iTunes Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be on the lookout for new episodes, and we'll be posting every week. Until next time, stay curious.